Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up on today's episode, we take a trip down memory lane plus asset management on the Jets Blue Line. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's finish off the month of July in style. Happy to have you guys back on here. CJOB's Tyson Rowicki joining us once again as we, well, let's be honest, continue to scrape the bottom of the barrel and try to find things to talk about it's that time of the year in hockey season i think august is going to be a little more fun a little easier but yeah the uh mid to end part of july is a bit of a tough one but we're going to try to have some fun with today's episode um thanks to a little tweet tyson sent me earlier today so we'll explain that a little bit more as we go on with the episode here but like i mentioned t-dog here to join us once again tyson how are we doing today Doing good, doing good. Is it just me or does it seem like July's kind of been going by pretty slow? Like usually July kind of fly bys for me, but time is just uh time is no longer an actual thing for <laughs> it. Once you have kid number two, Tyson, it's just I don't you could you could tell me it's like August twenty twenty one and I'd probably believe <laughs> you. So I you're asking maybe the wrong I'll, person here. I don't maybe, know. Maybe I'll fast track that. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Could be. By the way, actually, I should mention, um, hopefully nobody's playing a sick joke on me, but I, uh, before this, spent a good 30 minutes roaming the neighborhood looking for my daughter's stuffed cat. So I don't think people would do this, but if there's a sicko out there with a stuffed cat, <laughs> would you please, please let me know. And for anybody that's in and around, we think it might be in like the... The uh, Grant Park Taylor Avenue area. If you picked up a stuffed black cat, please, for the love of God, I'll, I'll pay whatever whatever you want. I don't care. Money, money is no issue cat. in this case. She loves that cat. It's got like World War Three in the Rewiki household right now. <laughs> so just please, please, please find a way to get it done. Um, that would be funny if somebody actually... Like, yeah, I got the cat, of course. I'll bring it over. <laughs> um, but either way, uh, we'll we'll have a little more uh, a little more fun stuff to talk about here. You just finished up, by the way, your little stint hosting Jets at Noon on CJOB with Jim Toth. Congrats yeah. on your first week or so in charge. Thank you. That yeah, was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a lot of fun the past uh, week and a like, week and a day. It was. Uh, Nice to get in, to be in a different chair than the chair I normally sit in on the show. So it was a lot of fun. Well, it's interesting. It's World Junior Summer Showcase right now. Uh, and we'll maybe just quickly talk about a Jets prospect that's doing quite well for himself out there. But it was Summer Showcase at CJOB as well with one of their brightest <laughs> prospects. So good job. You killed it. And um, 
no fights between a Toth and a Rewiki. So I'd say all in all, it's a pretty successful uh, first runaround for you. So good job, Faith. <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you. Before we get into today's episode, it'll be a bit of a quick one. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'll see once we go down memory lane. It might end up being a bit of a juicy one. Um, but we always, uh, over the last little while, like to get into a little bit of trivia. Wasn't a fan of today's Puck Doku, so we're gonna we're gonna skip by that. Um, but I was playing this quiz on Sporkle Tyson. And I thought this might be a little interesting one to get into here. And so I'll throw it a couple of questions your way, but the. Uh, the, uh, the trivia here is on NHL playoff stat leaders of the 2010s. Oh, okay. So players leading the NHL in these statistical categories for the playoffs from 09-10 to 2018-19. And I'll try to pick some of the ones, not obscure, but I won't do like points because, I mean, we all know the majority of the main subjects there. So I'll, I'll try to make this a little bit difficult for you, okay? Okay. Uh, by the way, for those wondering, Sidney Crosby um, who cheated, but uh, does apparently leave the NHL in playoff points through the uh, the 2010s there. Um, how about points by a defenseman, Tyson? Out of out of everyone? That's correct. Points by defenseman. Hmm. See, like that, I feel like it's not an obvious answer. It's if I gave you the team, you would get it. My, my first thought was Victor Hedman, but I don't think that's right. No, because that would have been like, I mean, he's done a lot of damage in the last couple right. of years. Um, Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith was the okay. man there. Um, I thought I'd start you off with an easy one and you blew that. So good stuff. <laughs> um, how about the, this is a cool one. And um, there, so there's been three players in the 2010s in a single playoff run that cracked 30 points. Can you name one or any of those three? Like crack 30 points? Uh, 30 well, points in a single playoff run. Danny Briere. Danny B was definitely one of them. I remember Danny Briere. Um, and we'll get to him in just a sec. <laughs> um, Danny Briere had 31, right? He had 30. One Another player had 30, and one had 32, which is the uh, the benchmark right now. Taves? No, Taves at 29, though, so a pretty solid guess there. Uh, one um, West, one East. I'll give you one more guess. I'm trying to think of the Con Smythe winners. That won't help you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, none of these guys won the Con Smythe. Um, only one of them won the Stanley Cup as well, by the way. I feel like the West one is Kings. Is that right? All right, let me... You got to pick up the pace. We 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 can't Kuznetsov? keep waiting here. Yeah, there you go. Kuznetsov? Yeah, Kuznetsov had thirty-two. Logan Couture had oh. thirty. Yeah, right. I'll take so, two for three there. That's pretty good. I, I'll give you that. Two for three is solid. Um, but yeah, interesting that Briere Couture thirty each and um, no Con Smythe, no Stanley Cup to go with it either. Um, and Kuznetsov, I think he outscored Ovechkin. He had five more points than him. Um, but that was kind of the more. Um, the Caps one, let's just give Obi the Con Smythe sort of a deal. Um, he, did have a, he did have like seven more goals too, to be fair. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't give you that one. That one's probably too hard. Let's do, do can you name, this is an interesting one. He played for multiple teams, but there's one player that 
by far beat everybody else in terms of most playoff games played in the 2010s. Do you want to get a, give a stab at that? I'll, um, I'll, the hint I'll give you is that he, the majority of the games that he played was with the New York Rangers, but he did play with a, at, at least one other team. Mm, Mark Stahl? I feel like I feel like you could stump somebody pretty viciously with like I, I don't know if anybody would get this in the first try. Um, it's Carl Hagelin. Wow. Yeah, because he went obviously he was a part of the HBK line with Pittsburgh, so a couple cup runs there. The Rangers went deep a bunch in the 2010s. I he think was on that was that he was on the Washington Cup team too, wasn't he? Was he? Oh, I think right. he was. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he had 128. Uh, the next closest was Chara and Kunitz at 119. Oh. So that's a pretty pretty big lead for Carl Hagelin there. Um, interesting Jets-related one, Tyson. Mark Scheifele has the highest playoff shooting percentage of the 2010s. Wow. How does 26% sound? That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, some interesting ones in there. Give it a look uh, if you guys check out Sporkle or not. There's some... Uh, some how, many pretty, yeah. Shifley, how many goals does Shifley have? Sorry for interrupting. but uh, Well, it would have been that one Western Conference final run, right? Where he had like, what was it, 12 or 13? So, so there was close. that, and then there might have been one more. He might, I, he didn't, he wouldn't have been much more than that, though. Because they would have, if, if, I guess if you count the Blues run, he would have only had like a couple in that one as well. It's kind of crazy to have a 26 shooting percentage and that's pretty juicy. Yeah, that's that's some <laughs> that's the that's the kind of percentage that'll get the guy a eight million dollar contract when he might be worth the four million dollar deal, sort of a thing there. Um, but good stuff. Impressed with your uh, your run there. Danny Briere, by the way, Tyson was second place in that shooting percentage. Now, why we're talking so much about Danny Briere, and this will be the focus of the episode here today, is Tyson sent me an interesting little tweet earlier today um it was a flyers related one and of course we have to go back many many years about a positive memory um but it was just a a tweet essentially celebrating the stanley cup run that the flyers made back in 2009-2010 and it was like a montage video sort of a deal right where it's like all the the highlights of of the playoff run um all the way leading up to game six of the cup final there and it got me feeling good for the first time in a long time <laughs> as a Flyers fan. And it got me thinking along those lines, and because there's not a lot to talk about these days, Tice, you know, that, especially like as far as me being alive, would have been like the high mark in terms of best moments um, as a Flyers fan. You know, best, best, anything on ice related that I've seen by, by a country mile. I mean, you could do a top five list from that single playoff run alone. But it got me thinking... What would be your favorite Jets 2.0 memory? And we'll try to keep it vague like that. So it can be something on ice related. It could even be something off ice related. Doesn't have to be, you know, something shrouded in playoff glory. It could be a single play. Just just anything that pops into your head when it comes to, I guess, the thing that makes you feel the best about the Jets since they came back to Winnipeg. Is there one that popped into your mind right away? Because there was one for me, and it might not be 
I guess everybody would maybe equate the 2018 Western Conference final run, but that wasn't it for me. But I'm curious if something popped into your head for you. Well, I mean, like the first thing, obviously, is just to our the first game back and the first whiteout. Like those were just two. The excitement level was just off the charts. But I mean, that's kind of a that's kind of a cop out, right? Because it's I mean, it's true, but it's that's everyone's kind of first thought is just because it's still so recent and so fresh and it's it was such an exciting time. But I'm going to go to the 2016 draft lottery. Oh, interesting. And, and when the Jets won that number two pick, then there was just there was a big buzz. Like I remember I, everyone I talked to was so pumped about getting and this is all without the, the foresight to see how everything would have went down. But in everyone's heads, it was like we got we got the new team of Solani. Like they don't play necessarily the same style, but it was this is going to be our 2.0s Timu Solani, and it was just like everyone was so excited for line. Everyone loved him when he when he burst onto the seat, and that that one's always going to stick in my head for sure. And then that's a, that's a sneaky good one, Tice. I like that pick because you're you're. To- I mean, look, I was on sports radio at the time, and it I'm I'm actually going through my phone right now to see if I have the text from uh, from Troy Westwood from Westie when it happened. Definitely not suitable for work. But I wanted to see if I could come up with the with exactly what we said. But it was, yeah, like it's again, you're right, it didn't turn out that way. But it's supposed to be when it happens, it's like franchise transformational. Especially yeah. with the you know, the Matthews and Line Aid debate back then. But it was like, like, oh my gosh, we're getting a 50 goal score. Like this is what this is what sets the franchise into Stanley Cup contention mode. And it's it's a, it's a different feeling than just about anything else. And you may, maybe like a buzz, a palpable buzz is the best way to describe it. Like you said, yeah. And line A one's gonna stick with me. And another one, and this I'll, I'll do a regular season one. And it's actually from this past season, and it was the Morrissey goal against Carolina. That was pretty wicked. Yeah, I and to be that was a, sort of another thing. It was. It wasn't a. It hasn't been a total transformation yet, but you could see the leadership and identity of the team switch players in, in that game, right? Like you could just all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is our captain, and and for me, like it's it's those moments that really stick out to you where you can where you can see a switch in the whole team's makeup in a single play, a single shift, and for Morrissey, I mean, it was that whole third period. He was that like. It was unbelievable to see him just completely take over that game. That, that was that was his uh, that was his uh, Maximus moment in Gladiator, yeah. right? Like just he was almost like antagonistic towards the crowd too, right? Yeah, like it was kind of like, oh yeah, now you're cheering. That's right because I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, I love I love me some Adam Lowry too, but I I would agree with you there where that's that's probably the moment where the C gets stamped on his chest, and um, yeah, not going to be surprised to see him rocking that. Um, headed into game one this season so yeah yeah those are solid i like that those are at least, like it's out of the box at the very least so i can i can get down with those um for me what was interesting in in going back and, and thinking about some of my favorite 2.0 memories or at least my favorite ones there was a very common recurring theme in all of those do you want to guess what that might have been the 2018 run no it was that they all involved Dustin bufflin <laughs> that's very fair very fair 
man, and I, I, I think I feel like people are now that he's stepped away from the ice for a few years. Like I feel like people are giving him the props that he truly deserves, in the totally. sense that like he. And I've I've always maintained this over the last you know five six years that he is without a doubt one of the most special players that's stepped onto the ice at Bell MTS Place Canada Life Center Winnipeg Arena all that stuff. There's just he is so unique. He was so one of a kind, and when he was on there, I, I there was no one like him. Like that might be the best compliment you could give him that when. Like it, it, not even to say he was the best, but when he was on, nobody could stop him. Like he was just this, just like a like a guy you would create in NHL like twenty three, right? Like oh, let's <laughs> make it, him two eighty and skate like the wind. Is it is it crazy to say that he's the closest thing to Eric Lindros? Since oh, I've, Eric I've Lindros? said that all the time. Yeah, I've I've said that back back in the twenty eighteen playoff run. I was like this this dude's Lindros. Like there's nobody. Physically, that's that that can compare to, to what Bufflin did, and I think you know even right now, nobody compares. Like, like Ovechkin yeah. is a freak. I mean, he's he's a little bit different, though, I guess. But you know, probably similar. But to like, he he doesn't play as much as as the imposing style that like Lindros and Bufflin did. Like to me, it's like Cam Neely, Eric Lindros, Dustin Bufflin, that were just like just they were built differently. Well, if you if you do a top, I bet if you do a top fifteen, top ten hits of like the twenty tens, Buff's got to have at least four or five. Yeah, and they were like, all the cleanest hits possible. Yeah, like I remember, like the, obviously the Stone one would be number one. I was... to, to this day, Tyson, I was one hundred percent. I turned away because I was convinced by the sound that happened on the ice that Dustin Bufflin killed Mark Stone. <laughs> I thought like I like. It, we gotta like turn turn the cameras off. Like we, we can't. I have. I just the way like Stone was moving so fast and just how quickly he stopped, and it was to Bufflin like a child running into him. And of course, my favorite part of that too might have been the, the entire sense scene being like, "Oh, great, we gotta, <laughs> we, we gotta, we gotta go after Buff because he killed our captain. Like this sucks." <laughs> oh, oh, even, man. There's a Gazdick one too. There's. Like, the Gaslight so one, the Colorado, where like two different abs came at him. They both yeah. end up on their asses. Um, uh, Pete Harold when he hit Pete Harold on the Devils too. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good punk Doku, by the way. Pete yeah, Harold. it is. I I don't uh, know if he played for any other teams though. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna look that up. Uh, but my my honestly, my I think I would have to say my number one 2.0 memory, uh, might be the first shift of the first preseason game. Yeah, like the official first game. It wasn't like the first regular season game, obviously, but the first game back in Winnipeg. There were no ads on the boards either, digital or painted on. <laughs> uh, it was just like like there was. It was just like there was such a. <laughs> I almost want to say like trashy feel, but it, like <laughs> everything was like they had to do so much so quickly, and they couldn't get everything done. But it, it felt like <laughs> it felt like watching. The Steelers at the wreck in Selkirk. Like it was just like everybody was all rabid and like they just like we just want hockey so bad. Well, that and, was a crazy game too, right? Like that was it was insanity. It was... I mean, it was like I think it ended up being like five four six four something like that. But like Dustin Bufflin, he he knew the script. Like, oh yeah, he 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 knew what was going on, 
And that that one might be like just behind the stone one in terms of like devastation hits that he delivered. I don't even know the blue jacket that he did. Crushed one, took down another, and then he's just like, I'm just gonna beat the living daylight so the next person closes to me. <laughs> so he a buff destroys to just end somebody's soul that night. Mark Stewart, of course, being Stewie's like, Yeah, of course I'm gonna step in here. Like it was it was just like the level of chaos there. I it might be the loudest the building's ever been. And that was my first ever obviously first ever game working um work in the booth for for 1290 back then and it was just like magnificent unprofessionalism like we were all just like jump like standing up screen like it was just it was the whole building just like lost their minds if there was audio of the moment it would be like the worst thing anybody's ever heard because like it's just (laughs) everything was cranked to 15 nobody could hear a word but it was just like it was like oh baby <laughs> the NHL is back and it's not going anywhere. So I I don't know that that might be my personal one, my personal favorite. Even though it wasn't an actual NHL game, which maybe makes it all the better there. And then the other one, like you mentioned there, not again, not even the game itself, but the first playoff game, warm ups, warm ups. It was sold out and the, the whiteout. <laughs> like it wasn't like people crowded near the bot. Everyone was in their seats. <laughs> it was just like the coolest like that, that'll never happen at any other place ever i just thought that was like okay that's like winnipeg hockey to a t right there that just explains we, everything we need to get the arena back to that level yeah, yeah. It, it needs, it, I, it's I, gonna take a while if the man just imagine like it is such a different x factor when you have when you have that momentum and it's no matter what people say there is a hundred percent a factor in that and even like when one of my favorite things of the past couple of years is when I, I, it was the avalanche playoff run where they would always just sing the songs after yeah, they yeah. stopped playing like i just like there's something about singing at a sporty event that's what that's what the brits have figured out to a t it's just there's something about sitting at a sporty event that is just that makes sense yeah, I, I am 100% on board with you. It's just it's never going to happen here. Just I don't know if it's cultural, whatever it is. It's just it's not going to happen. I don't even know what the song would be either. I, I don't like hearing. I forget who was what other team was doing. Oh, I guess it was Florida. The Panthers were doing um, all the small things, too. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Come on. That's, find your own that's song. Not, get your own song. That's why you lost the cup. Like, get your own. You can do a bling song. Just, like, pick a different one. <laughs> Oh, what was? Oh, actually, quick trivia question for you, Tice. Do you know who scored the first playoff goal in Jets 2.0 history? Was it Perot? I feel less confident now that I <laughs> I felt pretty confident. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Lee Stempniak. Oh, wow! I'm like I I rem- I just so vividly remember seeing it live, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was a five hole snipe too on a. I guess it would have been Hiller with Anaheim back then. Was it Freddie? Hiller or Freddie? I can't. Oh man, I was so <laughs> confident, and then the second I, the second I thought of that, it's like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Damn it. Okay, let me look that up quickly. I'm pretty sure I'm right, though. Oh, I feel I, like I, I, you're right. I, I, you're right. I believe it is Stepniak. That was a pretty sweet moment, though. That the building, it, it was everybody. I think like kind of wasted that. Not wasted, but like everybody was ready to go. And by the time the game started, it was everyone was like drained. And then it's just like yeah. waiting for the first goal and Stepniak eventually scored it. Um, try to remember two now. Oh, what's his name? Do you remember who scored the um, 
the first game-winning goal in Jets playoff history because it wasn't against Anaheim. It was against Minnesota um, it in 2018. Yeah, it was I, a D-man. It was like a journeyman D-man too. Oh. Well, was it um, uh, crap? I know I, he's the guy has the same name as a uh, guy on the 2010 Olympics, Joe Morrow. Joe Morrow, that's who it was. <laughs> it was 100 percent Joe Morrow. Joe oh. Morrow, that was that was like a deflection almost, wasn't it? Or like off of a wild just, guy? Just a oh, it might yeah. It was like a it was a point shot, just kind of like ripped it towards the net and it found its way in. Um. That's a good pull there. I knew it was. I knew it was a rando, and I was right. It was Lee Stempniak, um, but it was Freddie Anderson that he beat, not Jonas Hiller. So half points for me there. Um, those were some. Yeah, those were some beauties too. And I mean, even this past playoff run, Tice. I mean, it didn't, didn't end up <laughs> in any positivity. But the uh, the game three comeback in the third against Vegas. That's like the the whiteout advantage that you were talking about there. That yeah, was I was wicked. I was at that game, and it was absurd when as when. As soon as the Jets tied it up there, it was pandemonium. And I, I honestly cannot believe that they lost that game. I really can't. Oh, I can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely believe that, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, let us know what your favorite memories are. I mean, it could be anything. I, I, I'd love to know if there's maybe a more traditional one that you guys had or something random that pops up. Would love to know. Let us know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki at Tyson Rewiki or at skates plates pod on the Twitter. Um, there was one other one that I was thinking of too, but it, I'll, I'll see if it can come back to me a little bit later on. Oh, the line a versus Matthews line a versus Matthews. The first game line, he snipes the Hattie yeah. and Dennis Bayak has just a legendary goal call on that. I mean, that, that gives me goosebumps every time I watch it on YouTube. The line eight goal, and then Dennis Bayak scores, scores, lighting the hat trick. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was. I'll also add the, the nine to eight game against Philly. Okay. Well, oh. that game was awesome. That game was so awesome. It sucked so much ass. <laughs> that was a Didn't tough I think, one. I think Nick Antropov had two goals in that one. Oh, everyone had two goals. Yeah. <laughs> all, I, all I know is Mark Stewart. Scored the winner on a wrister that did not leave the ice from like the top of the circle, which was like the maybe the best way you could have ended that game. And oh, the Briz days! I mean, you you think it's bad here in Winnipeg, but you didn't you didn't have Briscala played in it for your team, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> didn't, sell, didn't give the keys to the franchise to Mister Universe. No, no, but yeah, it's been a fun. Fun 15 years, Tice. Bit of fun, fun <laughs> run since they went to the cup final. So I wanted I wanted this to be positive, but of course you find a way to uh completely run everything and send me what into a tailspin. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh switch topics quickly here. One last thing that we'll get to before we call it an episode. Uh should mention quickly for those interested, World Junior Summer Showcase. Rucker McGrordy had himself a pretty good afternoon. Playing on the top line with Cutter Gauthier of the Flyers. And um, this report here, McGrory had a pair of assists, a pair of penalties, aggressive at both ends, won a load of puck battles, and his passes were gold. Going to be a huge part of the junior team in December. So uh, there's a good amount of positivity on maybe the new fan favorite for the Jets after his uh, performance at the uh, 
at the uh, prospect development camp a little while back, but good to see McGrory is uh, keeping it going, playing with some solid players, and uh, Team USA should have a good club heading into this uh, Winter's World Junior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was that was that was an unfortunate one for the Swedes, um, but it'll be interesting to see where McGrory uh, where he ends up. Maybe it will be with Cutter Gauthier at the World Juniors. That would be um, good news for the Jets to uh, have him stapled to one of the up-and-coming hot prospects in the NHL right now. So good for McGrory. And then the other thing, Tice, mentioned it up there at the top, but um, Logan Stanley is still has yet to sign. And the logjam on the blue line remains. No real idea what this team's going to do. Stanley requested a trade back in and around the deadline. I mean, I don't think him not being signed right now means anything. But isn't it wild that we still don't have any real clarity on what the Jets are going to do on the blue line when it comes to, like, the latter half of, you know, NHL hopefuls? Yeah, to me, this is this has been one of my biggest gripes with the management is how they've handled the Stanley and Hainala situations. And I'm I'm not a big fan of Stanley or Hainala. Like I'm, I'm really not. But the whole point is, is that there's there's too much just sitting around with these guys, and you can't be a draft and develop team. And then when it comes to draft and develop, you you do the draft and you do the developing, and you know by all accounts, if you're just looking at the numbers, Hanela has nothing really left to prove in the AHL. So you give him an extended look. Like it's to me, it's there was one season where where Hanela played eight games. And there's guys like Lucas Spiza, Anthony Potato, like those guys are playing 50 games in a season. Yeah, that that was that was the rough time, right? Where they were just guys that had no future, short term deals, and weren't helping the team win. Yeah, like it's I, I can I can understand the Dylan and Schmidt trades where it's like you're hoping that they become like big time performers for you, like that at least makes sense. Yeah. Now it's kind of biting them in the butt a little bit, but I can understand. Like at least you can understand the thought process there. Back then, it was just like, "What are we? What are we even doing here?" Yeah. It's and yeah, like you, you're really wasted just a prime asset and a first round pick because if you like, there's just you're telling me that if you didn't give Hanala 25 games this season and he puts up eight or ten points. Like he's gonna have at least second round pick value there. Instead, he's getting what? Got a couple games here or there, or ten games at most, playing twelve minutes a night. And I think my biggest gripe with Billy is that he just can't. I I think don't think he can process the NHL game at a quick enough level with his foot speed. And I think he's got like the if he has when he has time and space, he has the ability to make really creative plays. I think it's just when the the pressure gets amped up a little bit. I think that's where he struggles. But you know what would be a good way to get used to that at the NHL is to, yeah. it's, it's to play in the NHL. And that's kind of, <laughs> I think that's my gripe is you give, you're not going to know what you have with a guy for, with him just playing 10 games. I mean, you can think what you want about him all you want in those 10 games that he plays, but it's just not a big enough sample size. You got to give him at least a stretch of games where he's playing, not, he doesn't have to be playing. 18 or 19 minutes a game, but like a legitimate 15 minutes a, a night where you can, where he's just getting into action. And that yeah. just hasn't happened. Yeah. I mean, a few things there. One love that you set 
the Guinness World Record for using gripes the most times. I got to give you props for that. Um, I'm the gripe man. The gripe man. <laughs> but I, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, just think at, at the very least, you would have clarity one way or the other at this point, right? On yeah. Villy and, and probably Stanley too at this point. Like you would at least know one way or the other what they are for the most part. There's still a lot of unknown, more so with Hainala than there is with Stanley. Um, but again, I could un- understand a little bit bringing in Dylan and Schmidt to kind of maybe make a bit of a run uh, as opposed to the Poolman, Spisa, all that, Botetto, all those players coming in and just blocking guys that that should be playing. And, you know, what, what's interesting to me, Tyson, before we wrap it up, you know, I uh, for those that probably know, but if you don't know, I love the Premier League, follow soccer a lot, um, and, and, and Chelsea's my team. But what, what's interesting to me, not about Chelsea necessarily, but about some of the other teams in the Premier League, you know, there's obviously the big four, big six, the clubs that, you know, legendary clubs spend cash like it's nobody's business. They operate differently than the rest of the the entities in that league. But the ones that are maybe a little bit behind that, they're very honest about their situations and about who they are as a franchise. And what's always fascinating to me about that is there's not only a team understanding, but like a fan base understanding as well that, you know, we have to, we have to operate differently than other clubs. We have to, even if they are 18, 19, 20, give these kids the playing minutes over somebody that might be a slightly better player right now because we don't have any other path to viability. Like we can't go toe to toe with some of these other clubs and they, they, they feel, and I think it's, you know, borne out by, you know, for the Brightons and uh, some of these other clubs there that it, you know, the strategy works for them, you know, maybe not to reach the level of a man city. Right. But at, at least they become competitive as opposed to let's try and do the same thing. Everybody else is doing when it's just not going to work that way. And I wonder if the Winnipeg jets would, that, that might be the best path moving forward for them is just saying, look, we, we all know the situation. We can't sign free agents of value. We can't convince players to waive their no trade clauses to come here 99% of the time. So when we're deciding between a vet and a youngster, Ty does not go to the vet. Ty goes to the youngster. Like there needs to be, I think, a much greater emphasis put from management side of things on we need to get these young guys in the game. Maybe it costs us, maybe it doesn't, but it needs to be known league-wide that the Winnipeg Jets are a club that prioritizes development, like you said there. We're a development club, and maybe we can make a run every once in a while. But we can't try and go at, you know, the Avalanche, the Lightnings, the Panther, like maybe not the Panthers, right? But, you know, some of these higher-end clubs that can attract free agents, attract players to sign cheap, because that's just not the reality of the situation that you're in as a club. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, you can't complain about not getting not being able to attract free agents and then when you have guys who could potentially be high-end players with first round picks and you don't give them the playing time and then they want to leave you can't get upset yeah like that's <laughs> no that, that's pretty much it like really that's it's just like that's one of the biggest things that really irks me is just that you've had the these... that you have 
I was I almost said it right when I caught myself. But <laughs> but uh like yeah, it's just you just can't be losing value like that. If you determine you can it's okay to determine that Hanela isn't gonna be a guy that you really see fitting on with in with your team long term. That's fine. It's just get value for him. And at this point, you've wasted a first round pick and whittled his value down to pretty much nothing. Yeah. I really don't think a, a mid round a mid round pick. Yeah. Or like another reclamate a guy in yeah. a similar situation, like yeah. really nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean you could debate what what you think of Vili Hainala as an NHL player, but I don't think there's much debate that he was unhandled properly. Yeah. And that the the Jets, I mean, blew that. Maybe a couple other ones, but Hainala is definitely kind of what you're getting at there, Tyson, where there just needs to be a there there, there needs to be a more optimal path for him as a prospect to reach the NHL level. And the Jets just did not do him any favors there. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I just want, I just, sorry. I just wanted to say one quick thing too. If you're, it's one thing, if you're top of the food chain, you can't be a team that's, that's on the bubble and have it and yeah. having young guys blocked. Like yeah. you just, that just can't happen. Can't happen. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if uh training camp, Tells a different story, and maybe we'll see some of these young guys get a bit of a chance. But we'll find that out uh, in a couple weeks' time. We're getting closer. July's in the books now. It's time for August, so we're uh, getting closer and closer to hockey season. Thank God. Uh, let's get that up and running sometime soon here. Uh, but that'll do it for the episode here. And, um, yeah, we're back to two a week, so we will get back at this uh, Friday morning. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. We'll talk to you guys Friday morning. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe and stay cool, everybody. Peace.